sometimes society, sometimes people have to look into the abyss before they can change. And I think that um, we always hope that we can avoid that, right? We always want to avoid pain if possible. But I think whether you're talking about an individual person's um, spiritual health or you're talking about the the strength of a country, um, sometimes you have to see the outcome of what you're breeding to really step back and say, wow, we got to take a different path. And I think January 6th was very much that moment for a lot of folks. Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM, and streaming at WERA.FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'll be your host for the program tonight. In the 10 months since I first interviewed tonight's guest, our country has been rocked by COVID-19, racial unrest, economic collapse, an all-out assault on truth, and the attack on Congress. It would seem obvious to conclude that these things added to the already considerable gaps that already separate Americans. Andrew Hanauer is the president and CEO of One America Movement, an organization founded after the 2016 election to fight polarization. Among other things, One America brings people together across political, racial, and religious divides to work on issues that matter to both sides, like poverty and the opioid epidemic. Andy joins us to talk about the effectiveness of One America's programs and to share, I hope, a glimmer of hope. Andy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, seems like uh, lots happened since we last talked. Oh, plenty. Um, have we passed a tipping point, in your opinion, a, a point of no return in our political division? Uh, yes, and to the first part and no to the second. So th- there are a number of, of tipping points uh, on the path from a healthy society to, uh, you know, name your calamity. And I think what's so toxic about toxic polarization is that it it feeds itself, it fuels itself, it, it, it pushes us farther and farther apart until we cross those tipping points. And each time we cross a tipping point, it feels like it's harder and harder to come back together. Um, but we absolutely have not passed a point of no return. There's enormous evidence that we're less divided on the things that matter and, and, and even on how much we dislike each other than we think we are. Um, what's critical is that we act now to do something about it. Yeah, when we talked before, you made a distinction between polarization, which you said was good, and toxic polarization, which you said was bad. Polarization is normal. We're not going to agree on everything. I don't think any of us want to live in a society where everybody agrees on everything. That's frankly creepy. I think that um, when we talk about division or polarization, we're talking about, uh, I disagree with you on abortion, or I disagree with you on tax policy. Those things are important. And sometimes uh, one side is more right than the other. I think there's no question about that. Um, but those are healthy debates that all societies need to have. When we talk about toxic polarization, we're talking about um, when division morphs from I don't agree with you to I don't like who you are. And what we're seeing in the United States right now is less and less about policies and more and more about team sports, right? this idea that their side is doing this or our side needs to do that. And, and when you get to that point, um, you, you stop being productive by being divided. You just become uh, uh, in conflict in a way that actually harms people and makes it harder to actually solve problems. Now, are there, there are certain measures 
conflict polarization index, uh, social cohesion indicators company, groups like the Fund for Peace rank the U.S. in, in these terms. What, what are some of the measures right now saying about where we are? Are they, are they increasingly getting worse or are they, what, what, is, what is the trend? Yeah, it's a good question. The, the trend has been consistent, which is that we are better off than a lot of the world, but going in the wrong direction. And going um, really no fast. There's no question that our institute... Uh, well, yeah. And I mean, going faster than other countries in the wrong direction. Um, in one, by one indicator, going the fastest of any country in the wrong direction in terms of social cohesion. I think that um, what, those, what those statistics and wonky terms do is tell a story, which is that uh, the United States is a country that has built strong institutions, uh, has a strong democracy... Um, that is now being challenged in a really profound way by uh, the way in which we are divided. And uh, if we do not address that, that that trajectory is going to continue to chip away at the strength of our of our institutions. And I think that's really bad for everyone, not just for uh, whichever party is in power at any given time. Yeah, I think for me, one of the surprising things was when when we saw what happened at Congress on January 6th. And yet there's still yeah. such a, 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 a resistance to come together in the middle from our political leaders and from the people in general. I mean, you could tell that from, from what happened. That's been very disappointing. So, you know, it, it's obvious, the smell test, it, it, it looks like a duck, it, it walks like a duck, it sounds like a duck. <laughs> Things are bad right now. So what I want you to do is give us some encouragement. I know you've had a pretty good year. You've been very active in doing a number of things. Please give us some encouraging news. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do, and then give us give us a story or two that show us, hey, this this can change, and we can scale this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, I, I'll say that sometimes society, sometimes people, have to look into the abyss before they can change. And I think that um, we always hope that we can avoid that. Right? We always want to avoid pain if possible, but. I think whether you're talking about an individual person's um, spiritual health or you're talking about the, the strength of a country, um, sometimes you have to see the outcome of what you're breeding to really step back and say, wow, we got to take a different path. And I think January 6th was very much that moment for a lot of folks, um, that there are consequences to, to this stuff. It's not, it's not a, a thing you can just do in perpetuity. You cannot just continue to divide people to win elections or sell books or get ratings for your cable news show and not expect there to be consequences. Uh, the good news is um, that not only did the country look into that abyss, but I think more and more millions of Americans are, are just fed up with this stuff. They want something better. The, the, the people who are the loudest and most divisive are the are the people who you know often get the most airtime, but but most Americans, whether they're left, right, center, whatever, they want progress on things that matter, and they are tired of the sort of game of this of this toxic, you know, partisanship. And so, I think there's really an opportunity now to to, to capture that that moment and act on it. Uh, our organization uh, does this work in the religious community. We bring religious communities together across divides. We also work within congregations. So how does a pastor help their church uh, navigate these issues? And what we see over and over again are religious leaders sort of stepping up and for the first time really fully confronting these dynamics. And when you think about the sort of toxic sludge coming at people from, from the social media and from the internet, 
uh, and you think about their religious communities for the first time really stepping up and saying, this is not who we are. What you're going to see is is really important progress and resistance to that toxic sludge. And I think uh, that's what's happening. And and when it goes unchallenged for years and years, or, or, you know, when we're in the pandemic and no one can see each other in person and you're just all on your phones, um, it, you're going to see it sort of breed. But I think there's there's a moral resistance to it that is uh, building in this country. Yeah, I'd love for you to share an example. I know this may be sensitive, but you know, there's there some church out there that was on one extreme position or another, and you went in and worked with them, and there was sort of a softening and a, you know, it's it's rough because some people believe that they, the two sides both believe they have absolute truth, and the other side is completely wrong. Right. And and sometimes there is a truth. I, I I believe from all the evidence that's been shown from both sides that the election was one of the cleanest elections there was. But there's a lot of people you simply can't tell that to. How do you counter that? I mean, what what do you do? And and again, and any kind of an example of how you've worked with an organization or some folks and and helped them with something like this. Yeah, for sure. And and so you know when we work with congregations, our our job isn't to move them to a particular position or to move them. Uh, you know, politically, any direction. I think uh, we see the we see the toxicity on the left and right. We see it in in synagogues and churches and mosques. And I think you know a good example of what we've what we've seen is people who thought they were hopelessly divided from another group actually meeting that group and go, and realizing, wow, we have a lot in common. Um, and that sounds cliched, but it's really important, right? So. Um, what we do at One America is build relationships that last uh, between these communities. We're not just coming in and doing an event and everyone feels good and then leaves and then, you know, what then? And so um, an example recently was the day after the uh, events of January 6th. We had a, uh, a, a rabbi who uh, the first time, first phone call he made was not to other folks who sort of, you know, feel the same way he does about every political issue. It was to his evangelical uh, counterpart who, you know, who he's working with through One America Movement. And they had a really personal, deep conversation about, about how worried they were about our country. Um, and, and from that, the rabbi was able to sort of go back to his synagogue where a lot of folks, you know, most likely felt like maybe this was uh, they were now at a point where where maybe they couldn't work with another community that was that was in a different place than they were politically, and instead he was able to say, "No, we're actually doubling down on that. We're gonna we're going to work with them, and we're going to be committed to building that relationship in the midst of a culture that tells us to hate each other." Um, and that's really important. Those things are not small, and when when we're doing them all over the country, we can make a huge huge difference. Yeah, I really am happy to hear you say talk about doubling down. Um, it's it really we. <laughs> I don't know if this is an American phenomenon or, or or international. If it's with all humans, but we we tend to do a good thing for somebody if, if they don't thank us or react in some way that we wanted. We tend to quit and and to withdraw. Hmm. And and in and, and what I've learned about grace. I mean, people say grace is the unmerited favor of God. Uh, you, I believe you have to add unwavering to that. You simply do. And you just have to say, I'm going to stick with something. I'm going to take yeah. up my cross daily, and I'm going to move forward and do these things, no matter how the other party responds. And I learned that in a divorce. And my wife and I were enemies when she filed for divorce, and I made up my mind to, to extend the grace of Christ no matter what. 
and the power of that when you do it, you keep going is amazing. And I think, you know, I think, you know, it, that's probably one of the things we need to teach is, is, I don't know if you'd call it a grit or a determination not to waver and not to quit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, look, the, one of the things that I hate about uh, toxic polarization is that it, it, it really makes us soft. It makes us, it, 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 it indulges us, right? We don't need to actually think critically about anything. We just go with whatever the, the people we all, we already like agree and agree with believe and think and say and do. And um, it, it creates weakness and, and I want our country to be strong. And I think um, part of that is when things get hard, whenever possible, committing to the hard thing that we have to do, which in this case is break out of this sort of death spiral of, of division. And that's not always easy. It's not always fun. It means talking to people who maybe we don't agree with or don't like or have even have a, a different set of facts than we believe are facts, right? And so it's not always the most fun thing to do, but it's what we have to do. It's what we have to be committed to. It's what we have to be unwaveringly committed to. So you've noted on your website that you 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 like to have actual. You talk about neuroscience, um, you know, mm -hmm. really really measuring in some form, get, providing evidence of how effective your programs are. I think you mentioned specifically work with a company called Over Zero. Tell us a little bit about how you measure what you're doing to determine, you know, uh, its effectiveness. So it's really interesting. I mean, I think, first of all, um, there's this perception that if you're interested in bridging the divides in our country, it's sort of mushy, soft work, right? They're going to all come together and and be happy. And it's actually, um, it, it, there's actually very concrete ways to measure how divided we are and how not divided we are. And I think a lot of those come from an understanding of, of neuroscience. One of the most interesting uh, sort of measurements we have is called meta perceptions, right? And a meta perception is what you do every time you go on a first date. It's like, what does this person think of me? Um, and as it turns out, we often think other people dislike us more than they actually do. Um, and unsurprisingly, when we think another person dislikes us, we dislike them back. And so you can actually measure how divided people are um, by just asking them how much they dislike other groups. And seeing how that number changes uh, is a good indicator for how they're how they're viewing those other groups. So um, we we think there's really concrete ways to measure this, and groups like Over Zero, who we partner with, really doing amazing research and uh, have amazing sort of knowledge of how this stuff works and and uh, how we can use the science and research to really be effective. But the one thing I want to be really clear about is. Uh, people can use science to manipulate people, and we want no part of, of something like that. We really want to empower people. We want people to learn what's going on in their own brains. So they can say, not only, uh, oh, that's why my uncle does that, but also they can look in the mirror and say, oh, actually, I'm doing it too, um, and better understand what's going on that's, that's pushing us so far apart sometimes. So do you ever feel like you're spitting into a hurricane? With this, I mean, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> you know, how, how do you scale this thing? When when I consider, I've had braver angels on the program, Center for Christian Civics. Um, I interviewed uh, Rob Shank from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer Institute. A lot of these organizations, uh -huh. they're, they're, they're kind of smallish. They're not really big organizations. They're doing wonderful work, but they're either very small or kind of small. 
you, how do you, yeah. how do you, how do you scale this thing? How do you get more and more? A friend of mine used to say when I was trying to do something, you know, go one to many and then get each of the many to many, you know, somehow exponentially spread what you're trying to do. <laughs> how do we do yeah. this as a society? How are you guys working on trying to do this, scale this and, and, and how can, you know, we in general do this? Yeah, well, we're going to be persistently optimistic, so um, uh, uh, stubbornly optimistic. So, so you're not going to catch me saying uh, that we're spitting into a hurricane. But you know, our staff has grown uh, 250% since the pandemic started. And that's, I think, a testament to the hard work that we're doing and also to the growing acknowledgement of how important this work is. Uh, we believe that our work is really scalable in part because we work with religious communities, which are built in networks of people, right? So we're not going into a community and, and, and engaging, uh, you know, 10 folks uh, who we've just sort of brought in. We're really, we're engaging a church or a synagogue and that church and synagogue are part of larger networks of churches and synagogues. Um, and so we think that there's an inherent uh, network we're tapping into here. Uh, that we think can help us scale this work. Um, I think that the uh, the challenge is that uh, again, as I said, it's easy to it's easy to get fired up about how much you hate the other side. Um, doing this work takes commitment. It takes courage. It takes uh, patience. And I think we're always going to be up against the you know the the division between doing what's easy versus doing what's messier. Um, and of course, division makes that even more so because the more we believe the other side is bad or negative or evil, the easier it is to justify not engaging them. But um, we think that this work is growing. We think, we think way more people want this than uh, the media sort of uh, implies. And I think, uh, I think we're going to keep seeing that. So are there other groups that you see out there working that you're impressed with that you're like, yeah, they're, they're doing good work as well. You're, you're glad to see them out there active. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's great work being done. I, you know, I think we really view ourselves as doing this work in the religious community and that's our, that's our focus, but we work with a number of great groups doing work on uh, the science and research side, like over zero more in common beyond conflict um, I think Braver Angels does really important work. I think uh, Convergence uh, Center does this work uh, in terms of policy, bringing people together from different sides to find solutions to policy questions. I think that's incredibly important. So there's a number of groups that are doing this. And, and you know, we partner with a lot of uh, faith groups that are doing this. And sometimes they're not as well known as the sort of groups that are focused on division as a, as a national issue. But... Um, we are really encouraged by the religious communities and partners and leaders that we we work with. So in the uprising, the riot at the Capitol, there was, sadly, a very Christian flavor to that. And is this something that you've kind of bumped up against is when, you know, you, you try to set people down together, they're, you know, they have an impression. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the Jewish person going back to the synagogue. He had an exchange of deep discussion with an evangelical and was able to go back and, I'm assuming, share a different perspective than what people saw on the TV. How do you deal with that? Because it's, you know, we, we talked about it earlier in the, the interview is media wants to talk about the extreme things, the things that get people titillated and get people worked up. And that's not necessarily the, the exhausted majority, as, as more in common calls it, the, the people in the middle that are just tired of the people on the extremes. I mean, how do you, how do you counter that? Have you found that that's something you really need to address when you 
talking about talking to non-Christian groups? No question. I mean, I think first of all, um, most folks in the evangelical world will will if if they won't say it publicly, they'll say it privately. That there's no question that Christianity is suffering from uh, the the um, entwining of politics and faith, in, in the sense that people who view Christianity as uh, a political religion or a political entity that they don't like or dis- that they don't agree with. Are are um, are unlikely to be interested in what Christians have to say, uh, including about about their view of God. And so, I think there's no question that that is a huge issue for Christianity. And I think the solution to it is not to water down beliefs or or um, you know become mushy in terms of a person's theology or anything like that. But I think the solution is to engage. Um, uh, people who who aren't like you, and do it in a way that is um, uh, has humility and and grace, and not not I'm going to you know come in and and uh, only engage with you if you accept my view of everything. And so, I think there's a great need for that. There's also a great need for pastors to fight this battle inside the churches of saying politics is not God. Uh, we, we to the extent that we make politics our God, we are committing idolatry. And uh, I think all of us um, in this country, on on all sides, are are prone to that to some degree. Um, I think there's a, there's no question that secular America, um, both left and right, has made politics a, a type of religion uh, with very disastrous consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, 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 inside these churches, we really need to get. Uh, get these pastors um, the support they need to really make the case that faith, their faith comes first uh, and politics flows from that and not the other way around. So when we spoke the last time, I'm not sure if I brought this up. You may recall it. Um, I, I've been broaching with people the concept of a, of a grace lobbyist, <laughs> someone <laughs> to go on to Capitol Hill. And uh, I have a, one friend who I, I mentioned this to. She's written a few books. She's writing a book now on conflict and I mentioned it to her and she said to me, you know, a couple months after I mentioned it, she's like, I can't get that out of my head. And, you know, I think the exhausted majority would, would love to know, would celebrate and rejoice if they knew that people were over on Capitol Hill trying to promote grace, trying to bring people together and, and draw them from these extremes and, and br- bring them together. Is that is that a concept? Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't flushed it out deeply with you, but is that something that you think could work? That Could there be people? There's, there's 80,000 lobbyists on Capitol Hill. I don't know if any of them right now are promoting such a thing. Is, does that sound like an interesting idea to you? Something that could possibly have some benefits? You, you mean, you don't, you don't think that most of those lobbyists are, are primarily interested in grace? Is there, <laughs> is there a selling point? It's all about money. I, I think, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I think, um, I think there's a, there's an incentive issue here, right? I, I would love for our politicians to care about what's right all the time. Uh, the reality is that they are driven by political uh, sort of logic. And one thing we know is that whether you're left or right or center, um, very few Americans, in fact, one study I think shows it at about 3% of Americans, actually change their vote based on what's best for democracy as opposed to their party. So if the person who says all the things you agree with about every policy issue also says they don't really see the need to have elections once they're in power. Uh, only 3% of Americans would switch their vote 
to to vote for the person who would uphold democracy. That's that's a problem. Yeah. And so I think there is a need for um, not just for lobbyists and for influence to to get people to 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 be um, uh, inspired to come together, but also just to to say we've got to put our country over our party. Um, and, uh, and we got to be able to tell politicians that when they do put their country over the party, we're going to have their back, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. How would you like to challenge people? What's the most important thing you're telling to people these days? You, you bump into somebody, you've only got a few minutes. What do you want to make sure you share with them or what point you want to get across? There's a lot, but I think the one that's really important is the sort of, um, we, we call it the, or well, I'm calling it right now, the toxic polarization time warp, which is, uh, Eh, polarization, not a big deal. And then January 6th happens and suddenly it's polarization's too far gone. It's not solvable. We, it, there's no point, right? And so this idea that you go from uh, a, a not really caring about polarization to suddenly believing it's too late to fix it. I really want to encourage people to know that the, the country is much more complex. People are much more nuanced and, and, and much less monolithic. Uh, than we well, than we believe, and there is so much hope out there. Um, we are not the 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 caricatures that we see on the news, um, and that it's not too late. So uh, don't give up. Stop talking about civil wars. Stop talking about secession. These things are are ridiculous, and um, I think that it's really important that we that we commit to the United States of America. And what about some of the things you're doing? You're active. We're in the D.C. metro area. You've got uh, projects going on in, in Maryland, in Virginia, in D.C., correct? Why don't you share with listeners some of the things that are going on quickly and, and how they can get in touch and get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we are working around the country. Um, and one of the things that we're doing that's fairly recent is, you know, especially because of COVID, we're actually going to be hosting fairly regular um, events online that anyone can participate in where we help do everything from, you know, how to, how to talk to your neighbor about difficult conversations to, you know, how to understand the neuroscience behind division, why our brains do what they do. Um, so those are things that you can find on our website, oneamericamovement.org. Um, and uh, in specific communities around the country, if you're part of a religious community uh, and you're looking for more in-depth work with us, uh, you, can, you can find that as well. So if people want to get involved, they, they kind of got to come to oneamericamovement.org and check out some of the yep. things you got going on, contact you, and then you, you'll you figure out how that how that would look. Absolutely. So any final 30 seconds? Do you have anything else that you want to share? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I think, uh, I think these conversations are really important, and I would just share that— um, you know, this is, this is an opportunity. There's always opportunity and challenge. And, uh, this is a moment where, uh, instead of just doing the things that make us feel good, um, we have a chance to do something really special, which is, uh, which is bring this country to a place of being a stronger, more united country that's resilient to these toxic forms of division, uh, at a time when everything in the culture is, is sort of pushing us in the opposite direction. And I think that's our, that's our challenge and that's what we can do. Andy, thank you for joining me. Uh, listeners, again, want to find out more about One America Movement, check them out on the web at oneamericamovement.org. A recording of this program can be found at thegraceand30.com and wera.fm websites, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. And the show will also re-air on this station this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. This is Ed and Andy signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. 
Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.